tuned in to episode 29 of the hip potheads podcast i am no sage along with novak as always where we discuss our favorite hip-hop moments follow the show on youtube spotify and all the socials and we got a special guest constant my man what up what up way back man you know i've been wanting to have you on the show forever it seems like i'm glad we finally got this down and just a quick intro i guess um you're basically the uh the director of influencer partnership for ion is that correct yeah yeah uh i am on i'm a director of influencer partnerships for uh ion in specific i'm on team 23 shout out to the jordan reference um but uh, Ion is an influencer uh, network within a major agency called Eisenberg. And so uh, within Ion, there are several different teams. There's like Team Green, Team Charlie, and some other stuff. And so I'm on Team 23, and I'm the director of influencer partnerships for our team. That's what's up. And um, besides that, I mean, I know we've connected in the past plenty on some hip-hop um, overlaps. Definitely. You know, like... I, I I just been wanting your hot takes on plenty of things because it seems like, you know, you are sort of the uh, the epicenter of a lot of uh, things shaking as far as gaming goes down and you know, um, video. I know you've interviewed like Travis Scott and Post Malone and Kanye and just like you you're a man of many hats and many lives, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, we go way back to the Chicago days. That's where it kind of all started. Um, you know, to your point, I was making beats and, and doing the hip hop thing, uh, late nineties, early two thousands in Chicago. Um, I have my crew pseudo profits was part of the no budget family. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's where it kind of all started. And, uh, but I, you know, by necessity and weird coincidence, I bumped into a, a former business partner of mine by the name of Ed Blair, who's from crystal Lake. So outside Chicago, right. So I was recording uh, our, I think it was our first or second album. I'm not really sure. We were working at a studio uh, that my boy Ryan owned. Uh, we were all Guitar Center folks. Uh, if y'all know about Guitar Center on Halstead, that. yo, that was that was that was my that was my spot. Me and my boy Ill Logic, we were like the hip hop dudes. Everybody came to us when they needed NPCs and all that good stuff. So uh, how about, and Ryan, what's that? How about how about an NPC from him? I know exactly. I went to the Paul right down the street. Okay, yeah, yeah, we yeah. were right over there. Right by Home Depot. Right by Home you, Depot. You That's know, good. we was there before the Home Depot, Brody. <laughs> That's how far we go back. You know, I started back. I actually started at that Guitar Center when it first opened. It used to be on Clark Street. I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember way back in the day, the really small joint. Uh, and then they opened up the store on, on uh, Halstead, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was I was like one of the first employees over there in the keyboard department, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to sell keyboards and digital pianos and shit. I was really just there. I was there for the discounts, bro. I didn't, you know what I mean? Um, and so uh, long story short, you know, Ryan also worked at uh, Guitar Center. He worked in Pro Audio and he had a studio. And so uh, we were mixing our album. I was working with this kid named Presence. Uh, Ryan, uh, what is Ryan Berry is, is Presence. It's his last name. I think he's back in Chicago now uh, going to his presence to Elder. He's been doing some stuff. So uh, we were all working on this album. And uh, so I was mixing it over at Ryan's studio. And uh, Ed happened to have shot, just shot his, uh, his film which is kind of like a, a John Woo meets like Hype Williams type shit, bro. Like I had never <laughs> seen that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was blown away, you know what I'm saying? And so um, he he happened to be, you know, doing the sound to his movie at the same studio that I was doing uh, the album when we were doing. And, uh, and so he got to hear some of our stuff, right? Ryan played it for him. 
So I walked into the studio one day. He's like, yo, man. He's like, I heard your shit. And I was like, you know, you back. You go, what you talking about, dog? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't supposed to hear that shit. You know what I mean? Whatever. So then I was like, so what'd you think, bro? Like, you know, real talk. And he was like, he's like, yo, man. He's like, shit was crazy. He's like, it's different than anything I've heard out of Chicago. He's like, where, you know, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from a little, I'm from Illinois, bro. I'm from Champaign, Illinois, right, right up the way, right? He's like, he said, this shit's got like East Coast meets like, you know, West Coast vibes and stuff like that. I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of how I grew up. You know, I grew up a huge East Coast fan, but I have my West Coast affinities too. And so they just kind of stained us, you know, and he was just like, listen, man, I don't got a lot of money, but can I use your, some of your beats for my movie? Then I was like, fuck, yeah, like I want, yeah, I want my shit in a movie. And, and it, again, his movie was like John Woo meets Hype Williams in a dark alley with some cool kung fu stuff, you know, with some gunplay too and everything. So I was like, yo, I love it. Yes, you can use my stuff, right? And so he's like, well, what can I do for you? You know, I don't got a lot of money. I was like, well, you know, I got this TV show idea that I've been wanting to do to kind of big up Chicago, right? Like, mm -hmm. because I felt like there's no industry. I mean, if you guys, you guys were around in the nineties and the two thousands and stuff, there was really no industry for Chicago folk, bro. Like if you made it out of Chicago, you was really doing something, you know what I mean? Now that, that henceforth my love for Kanye. Right. And so, um, is this where played like, out kind of comes into the picture? That's exactly where it comes into the picture, <laughs> right? bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, so I had that show idea, play now, and we yeah. created we created play now, and um, we ran into a gentleman named Jim White who ended up being my mentor at this post production studio, and he was like, "Who are you, kids? Like, you know, you guys got big dreams here. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Show me a pilot, right? <laughs> and so, so, so Ed helped me shoot this pilot, right? And in this pilot episode, we got to interview Kanye when he was uh, had he was doing a Louis Vuitton backpack shoot. If you remember that, oh, remember that. Um, and so there's a there's a whole another funny story behind that. We weren't even supposed to be there, to be honest with you, right? But I, yeah, some dumb shit happened, and we ended up being there, right? And uh, some guys from Do or Die were there, and that's the same day that uh, mm -hmm. Cootie and Chike finished Through the Wire, the music video. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we're interviewing Kanye, probably the most humblest dude at that time. Cause we knew how big he was. Right. And we knew how big he was going to be. Uh, all my friends in New York was like, yo, he's the man out here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bet. So, you know, we're interviewing him and they bring the video there and he's just like, yo, y'all want to see my video? Tell me what you think. And we were like, well, you're going to show us this video, right? It hadn't even debuted yet on MTV. Oh, for through the wire? Like, yeah, for through the wild, oh, he, he he they just finished it, and so he was just like, "Yo, you want to see it?" And uh, we was like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, uh, true story. Uh, they, uh, I had Sarah interview him because, like, here. yeah, because <laughs> I had fired. I, I I created a TV show and I was a host and I fired myself because I because <laughs> I because I finished an episode with a peace sign and I was like, "Yo, that's so cheesy." I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey! But to pull pull back the curtain a bit, so I did watch that brief interview when you're talking about the college dropout days. So, um, the funny line I remember Ye talking about was, "I'm trying to market to them, to the audience that has like what he, he says something like they got real chains, but like fake earrings." Fake, or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? All right, <laughs> I see you, Playboy. You <laughs> to know Kanye, and I'm not proclaiming to be like, "Yo, dog, let me call him," right? But just to have been around for that uprise and stuff you realize he's a funny funny dude right like we run into each other several times out here in la and this and the other and he's just like he's always like hey what's up man you know like he ain't never big time me or nothing like that right so he's always cool with me you know what i mean but yeah so i had sarah interview him and then we did and then he showed us the video and we were just like damn bro you're gonna blow up and he's like you think so? And I'm like, man, I just like what you're doing is real dope. And then look, you blew up, right? So, um, so Nabil was there. Nabil was doing the uh photo shoot, who happened to have gone to film school with Ed by all weird coincidence. So they linked back up, and then I ended up running into Nabil, who did some of Travis's videos or did one of Travis's videos back in the day. So it all kind of went full circle with that whole group. But that, that, that's kind of how I got my start. Everything started in Chicago, man. And, and just kind of spawned from there. Yo, that's super dope, man. I'm glad that's you nice. took me that. Cause like, 
when we crossed paths, I always knew you as the media guy and the camera guy. And in fact, like when Play Now came the picture, I was like thinking in the back of my mind, wasn't there like another brand like Elysium Films or something along that? Yeah, line? that 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 was me and Ed. Right, Elysium right. Films that was doing, uh, you know, all the film and TV stuff. And we put that together. So, you know, we ended up creating that play now. Got some legs, bro. We ended up um, pitching it to uh, Fuse and uh, let me see, MTV called us and WGN. Um, and so I, I was blessed, man. Like the first ever creative visual thing that I did almost got picked up to go mainstream, which was which was pretty cool. We lost out on WGN to a NASCAR show or something like that. It was it was like down to us and some like reality show about the Bulls and this NASCAR show and WGN said that NASCAR was nationally bigger than whatever. So they needed the numbers. Because um, you, you work on 2K, right? What's that? Are you part of 2K? I used to be, yes. I used to. Uh, so I was the... Uh, I, I just left 2K probably in April. Um, I think it was, yeah, this past April. I was the senior influencer, senior global influencer marketing manager for uh, for 2K. For, and I did that for NBA 2K, WWE 2K. I saw your like name that. in the credits. So I'm sitting there like, this name in the credits, you know, you, you know, you be at the end of the game. And I'm looking like, I'm like, I know this name from somewhere. And oh, I'm you like, saw that? Yeah, I saw your name in the credits. That's why I paused for a minute. And I'm like... What do I know? What do I know this name from? I'm like 2K. That's why it came. It came straight to mind because you know a lot of times you finish the champion se- championship season and the credits roll up and your names in the credits is basically um, in charge of that area. That's that's dope, man. Um, I, I had seen it once. I even posted it on social media one time. It was that's probably one of my bigger things because I I loved gaming, you know, and so. Um, through the Elysium film stuff is how I fell into gaming, you know, like we were encouraged uh, to move to, uh, I would make the joke, God told me to move to uh, Los Angeles. We were doing this project with Morgan Freeman, Ed and I, out of Mississippi. And uh, Morgan Freeman said to me after an exchange, he's like, you know, where you where you live in LA? And I'm like, no, he's like, you should, you know, I tell you should. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you'd be good out there. He goes, it's hard for a black man, but if you could, sup, you know, if you could stick it out, he goes, I think you'd be good. Shit, I went home and was like, babe, we're moving. God told me we got to go. So we moved, you know, we moved out to L.A. And um, I got my first L.A. job working for uh, Mania TV, uh, which was the first ever 24-hour, seven-day-a-week internet television network. We had our celebrities with Dave Navarro. I don't know if you guys remember him and Tony Hawk and uh, Tom Green. And so I was a producer. Yeah, I was a producer on Dave Navarro's talk show called Spread TV. And he would just interview like crazy tattoo artists and porn stars. And like in the middle of the show, they do like that suspension where they put the hooks and shit in your back and hang you from the roof. Yeah, bro, it was crazy. And we did it on location at this really cool bar on on, uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, I forget the name of the bar now because it was some years back, but it, it it would be the equivalent to like the Dome Room or something like that in Chicago, like one of those real alternative mm-hmm. spots. So it's real cool like that. And um, so Mania TV, we were producing content. If you're making it, if you're making content 24 seven, you got to make content, right? There's no, there's no days off. And so we needed to create something. So we, we, a lot of us played video games. So we created this segment, this segment or this little 30 minute show, where we challenged each other to play video games. And, mm-hmm. and we had these really crazy jackass, like penalties if you lost. So, like, for instance, if one day we were playing Call of Duty and we all had to wear dog tags or, like, electronic shock collars, and every time you die, like, the guy sitting off to the side would shock you, right? Oh, and uh, and then we were we would play, like, Skate 3 or something and try and see who could get the most points while skating the bowl. But at the same time, he's, like, messing with you, like, and if you lost, you had to spin around in a circle, and then we threw eggs at you, and one guy had to eat, like, two habanero peppers, so... <laughs> anyway, we were filming this stuff, right? And mind you, this is LA 2007, you know, so Jackass was kind of popping. But, you know, we I really wasn't on that tip, so I didn't even know we were doing kind of like what they were doing. And so our sales team, they they were like, yo, let us get that video. And they went out and sold it. So next thing I know, we had a, a video game show where we would have uh, celebrities from movies come in and, and challenge and, and do challenges with us. 
you know, and, and so imagine shocking one of these Hollywood people with a dog collar, you know what I mean? Like we, we got to have fun with it, but that's how I kind of fell into the gaming. And then I, um, from there, Mania closed down. And I, have you guys heard of Machinima? I have, I have. I mean, that's, that was a cool, that was a cool channel. Okay. So after Mania TV, I, I thought it was over. If you if if you've been if you're from Chicago or the Midwest and you've chased ever chased your dreams anywhere East Coast West Coast whatever, when when something goes wrong you're like oh shit like I failed I got to go home like so I was just I was miserable like all my friends before I left like dude they're stupid don't move to L A you know how it goes they're they're like you know and so I was like damn they're right you know what I mean so I'm in this bar like fucking in El Segundo drunk in the middle of the day and I get a phone call from one of my friends they're like yo we're over at this company called Machinima now. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't, whatever. Good for you, motherfucker. I don't got a job. Like, you know what I'm saying? You call it rubbing in my face. Like, I'm over here on unemployment trying to figure out if I'm going to survive in LA and you're going to try to tell me you got a new job. I hate you right now. You know, it was kind of my attitude, but I was like, congratulations. They was like, you know, no, nah, bro. Like, they want to start a sports gaming channel. And I was like, okay. Like, whatever. And they were like, well, we think you'd be, they looking for a face and a voice for it. And we think you'd be good because I did a lot of sports gaming at Mania. So I was like, okay, cool. That shit sounds dope. They're like, no, I don't think you get it. Like they want to pay you to go and cover sports video games. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, come again? <laughs> you know? And uh, they're like, can you come in for an interview? And I was like, yeah, I'll fucking I'll be there in an hour. You know, and I hopped on, I had a motorcycle. That's how I hopped on the bike and just <laughs> flew in there. I'm wasted. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm it's it's not an interview, it's an audition. And next thing I know, I'm standing in front of the heads of the companies and stuff like that. And they're giving me this fake stuff to go over, right? And so I, I don't know what possessed me to pull this out, but um they were like, yo, so give us an intro to your show. And I so I was just like, what up, folks? It's your man OG. You know, and they was like, yo, that's money. People on YouTube are gonna love that. And they gave me the job. And so next thing I know, I'm facing voice from Machinima Sports now. So I'm, tr I'm I'm getting lucky enough to travel the world. So whenever there's a 2K release, a Mata release, mm -hmm. or any type of promotional event, they flew me out there to go interview people, right? So I got to talk to Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, Dan Marino, like all these crazy people that I grew up watching. And I'm like, what? You know, I if, you know, the, I probably the quintessential moment was I got to meet Magic Johnson and Jerry West at the same time and, and interview them. And it was just crazy, bro. I saw the Rick Flair. I saw the Rick Flair interview. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Flair is my dog. Rick Flair yeah. is awesome, bro. He is awesome. He, he is just as animated all the time. Like it's not a camera thing. That's how he. That's how Buddy moves. No, Machinima was awesome, man. That situation. I'm mean, at Rooster Teeth and everybody out there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it was. Everybody was. Everybody. You guys are like the fathers to like content, even in 2K. Your influence on 2K's media setup is crazy. They basically took that whole style and injected it into 2K halftime and everything like that. You think about how they interview players and everything. It's that that's machinima. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's that early style. 2K basically watched you guys are doing, and then you probably went you went over there. You were influencing those situations, but you can see your influence all over 2K. Yeah, man. Um, I, I, I'll even go as far as to say that influence came even before I got there, right? Because when I got to work in, within the halls of 2K, I wasn't even trying to do content. That was Ronnie's thing. Like, I wasn't, there is a Ronnie 2K. I'm not trying to be that, right? Like, I, I really, I was really there to be a bridge for the content creators that were out there now, the influencers, and, and the company that they're making content for, right? Because Coming up, I saw that a lot of brand deals happen, like on the Call of Duty side and all this other stuff, but it wasn't really happening for the sports guys. Mm -hmm. Nor were they able to talk to the people that were making the game that they were promoting, in a sense, right? So I was like, I'm going to be that bridge for people. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I always try to move, man. The whole reason we created Play Now, Jay, is because I wanted to be a bridge for artists in Chicago to get the same type of shine that these folks got on MTV. Because I, I always looked at MTV as a local show. Mm -hmm. It's in New York. They're hyping up New York, a lot of New York artists, and a lot of artists at that time that wherever they were from relocated to New York. So I always looked at it like, I was like, yo, fuck that. Chicago needs that. So that's how we tried to shoot our show. That's how we tried to edit it. Like, it wasn't some boring ass 
you know, uh, what, what do you call that? Uh, oh my God, you know, uh, where he, community TV type stuff. I forget what public access. Public access. access. Can't we wasn't trying to, yeah, we wasn't trying to make it a public access show. We wanted you to think like this was like WGN or K- somebody got behind this and, and really spent the money on it, right? So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, yeah, I don't want to keep going, bro. There's so much shit I could get into, but, you know. No, nah, you nah, you put everything in perspective. You're tying up a lot of mysteries and question marks ahead about different things because, you know, <laughs> for the... For this show, you know, Jason sent your information over, and I was like, I was trying to figure out where the hell do I know that name? And I'm looking at it, and it, it basically was my Lebrio NBA 2K daddy, and I'm like, shut up, man! I'm like, and she, because she watches those credits and stuff a lot. Yeah. And my kid, my kid, you know, kids, kids focus on the crazy stuff. She goes, well, you know, Mike Wang is the developer of 2K. My kid knows this, but most grownups don't know that. So my right, kids right. like, yeah. The other day we were talking like he broke the jump shot, daddy. I'm like, go to sleep. Go to sleep. So, <laughs> so yeah, she grew I love up. It. Yeah, she grew up pretty much with you guys on that 2K side and how you know how that influences stuff, the music, mm-hmm. the layout, the interview process. I mean, you can see a lot of that influence in that setup. Even, yeah, even with the wrestling, even with the wrestling games, it's there. The 2K yeah, wrestling yeah. games. You're you're one hundred percent right. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you or your daughter caught like any of the live streams that we did. Uh, you know, on two K, we used to do the mm-hmm. logo show. Mm-hmm. The logo show was and, and myself and my boy Mitch, who actually is part of Team Twenty Three with me. Uh, he's been my counterpart throughout my uh, influencer marketing journey since the beginning. Right. Um, we uh we we concepted the idea of logo show. Ronnie was already giving out the logos, and so we were like, "How can we take this up a notch and shine the light on on the on the creators that are receiving these logos?" So we were like, "Yo, let's do a, sh- a live stream where we actually pop into their streams and stuff and give them some shine, right?" Mm-hmm. So you know, we created a concept, but that that's that was merely a spinoff of what I used to do at Machinima. I had a segment of, of I did my main show was called Replay. Uh, on the sports channel and part of replay I had a segment called the two minute drill and I spent two minutes highlighting the top sports creator content on the network. So at this time, you know, this is KSI long before his boxing days. This is Chris Smooth before he got on camera. This is iPod King Carter. You know, there was no cash nasty and Christopher London back then. These guys are like the second generation. I go all the way back to like, the first generation, like I said, iPod, King Carter's, Chris Moves, and all these guys, right? So, um, but, it, you know, it was just a spinoff of that to highlight the creators, you know? It's, it's all about giving back, man, because I got lucky. I always looked at myself as like, dog, you got lucky, bro. Like, in any other circumstances, I could have been shoveling shit or building highways, but I got blessed to do what I do, so I, I try and give back any chance that I get. I just love the origin story. Like, again, like I always knew you were a media junkie and you always were bridging the gaps. But like to know that you were like in the rap space and the hip hop space even before that, like I always knew it was always a part of you, but I didn't realize you were doing music like that. Um, Because at that point, like you were just making moves and I just, you know, didn't know the whole history. So like, does that does that mean like, what is that? Um, Did you did you just go to college in Champaign or that's where you came up or? No, okay, so I was born in Champagne. Um, oh, like Luda. And, yeah, well, honestly, my uncle is Luda's godfather. I didn't, what? I didn't realize this, right? I didn't realize this, but I guess Luda and I used to run around when we were little. My dad told me he goes, "Yeah, Chris used to make fun of you all the time. He used to call you fathead." I was like, "Well, when I see him, I'm, I'm gonna bust his ass," you know. So uh, I, I got, I almost was going to. There was, there's a couple chances where I was gonna get to run into Luda. Uh, one time when I was in, we were out in New York and we were at the Fuse pitch meeting and they took us down to their show that was kind of like the MTV TRL type thing, but they had their version mm-hmm. of it and Luda was there. And um, he, I didn't get close enough to talk to him. He was walking off the stage. I'm like, yo, Luda, you from Champagne? He turned around and looked. And I was like, yo, you know Willie Claiborne? That's my dad's name. And he was like, and you can see he gave me that look like, yo, what the... <laughs> and then and then they usher him off so we don't run into each other then and then i uh years after that you know he was on fast and furious uh series and i got flown out to uh london 
to uh, interview the cast of Fast and Furious. And so just so happened that Paul Walker, rest in peace, had hurt his ankle, so he wasn't there. So I was so excited to talk to Paul Walker. And Luda had just left to go do something else. So I, I, uh, I got to talk to Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, and the rest of the crew. But I didn't get to get to Luda. And I was like, damn it. I was oh. like, man, I can't wait to talk to him about champagne. <laughs> Why you call me fathead, bro? As soon as you remember who I am, I'm like, no, you call me fathead. I got problems with that. <laughs> this is almost like an alternate version of Hustle and Flow trying to meet right? up with Punchy Black in the bathroom or it's, something. It's like six degrees of separation because uh, <laughs> the, the way Luda, the way the way I know Luda's from Old Park River Forest. So he uh, he was he's a little bit older. So what happened was uh, one of the guys he used to work with was buddies with him. He, he lived in Old Park for a minute. He went to OPRF in ninth grade. Then they left. So he used to book this guy I used to work with. That was his next door neighbor. So what happened is years later, you know, he's talking about Fast and Furious. The same guy I used to work with went to one of those um, movie premieres. He takes no. a picture of senses to me. and goes, guess what? I ran into my old neighbor. And I'm like, Who's your? I'm like, your old neighbor. He's like, yeah, you know who he is. Because we, we know him as Chris. I know exactly right. what he's talking about. And uh, it's funny as hell. It's a small universe. We just see him at Old Park at the Y and stuff. He was trying to hoop and everything like that. He's a funny dude, man. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh, oh, Oak Park on the Lobby having a lot of folks out there because I think Amon Shumper was Amon Shumper. Yeah. Yeah. I love Shump, bro. I'm a Knicks fan. When he was on the Knicks, I love him. And I love what he's doing on the shy. That's like one of my favorite shows. Bro. Real dude, like, man. Real dude. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I hope, to, I hope to meet him one day, but um, I, I think he's awesome. I think he's awesome. He, yeah, he's real. He's real cool people, man. I went to, I went to film again Old Park for two years, so that's how I know them. And then they went to OPRF. That's our rival. So we used to have a rival game with them every year. So it's a small universe. Oh, wow. Okay. Damn, so you was up there hooping with them and stuff. Okay. Yeah. okay. I, see. I see you. Yeah, he's younger. Because, like, my guys, you might know out there, like Corey McGetty and stuff like that. That's who I went mm -hmm. to high school with. Small yeah, universe. I remember, yeah, I remember all those names, man. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing, man. Um and that's what I like about being from Illinois. That's what I like mm -hmm. about spending my time in Chicago. Like I, when I was there in Chicago, it was frustrating, man. I I was it was like I'm sure you guys have heard this analogy time and time again, especially out of folks in the entertainment center. But it was like trying to get water out of it or, or trying to get electricity out of a water faucet, right? It just it just was not set up to make moves, man. And I you know I did everything I could. Including I I, uh, I I ran Gene Ferris uh, Ferris Wheel Records. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Gene, but he's a big time house DJ out of Chicago. I ran his label for him for a little while. Um, I worked for Vince Lawrence, who was credited with uh, helping create house music, and he did some of the first house songs, you know, and turned into a big uh, advertising music guy. Uh, now I think he's producing TV shows and stuff like that. I, I was his assistant for a while. Like I tried everything that I could, man. But like it's just it's it's it 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 wasn't working. So whenever you're out in LA or other places and you run into someone from like Chicago and the Midwest and stuff, you're always like, yo, you you're whatever you do, you're good at it because you fought everything to get to where you are, right? And and the saying out of LA is like, if you want to get something done, you know. Or at least it used to be. I shouldn't say it is anymore. But back when I was hustling, it was like, if you want to get something done, man, you better go get some Chicago motherfuckers. They gonna, they gonna, <laughs> they, they gonna get this work done, right? Like, cause we don't take no shorts. Like we, it ain't it ain't about the glamour and glitz, bro. We need that check. So let's get it done. You know what I mean? Cause the check is at the end. So let's get to the end. You know what and I mean? To cut back to that yay interview that you had at the college dropout days, the other line I remember he said. He says, like, two sentences you need to know in this industry is uh, when can we cut that check? And um, where's the studio at? Or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was like, uh, yeah, when you when can when 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 can you cut the check? And when you okay, it's just one. It's just one. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and like, yeah. I always, I always like paint this like unfair picture. Not that it's a unfair thing, but like Luda coming up in Illinois, but obviously moving uh, you know, Atlanta. And it was like almost the reverse with Ye, right? Like him, like uh, being born in Georgia, but coming over here. But right. you know, it's not not being like stagnant. You know, always being constant, like you. You know, just like move, making it moving, and just going where you need to go to make things happen. Basically, you know. That's what he was all about, man. You know, uh, someone asked me if I had any like 
advice or what would I tell someone that's trying to, to do what I do that's like coming out of the Midwest or coming out of Chicago or what have you, whatever. It's just like, and it's cliche advice. It ain't nothing brand new or mind boggling. It's, it's just block out the noise, man, and believe in yourself and just believe in what you're doing because my my people that I thought were friends and they, and they are, man, I'm sure they meant the best, but like they would really like be, look at me sideways because like, here, my wife is busting around selling real estate, doing all this other kind of stuff. And I'm in studios until three, four o'clock in the morning working at, at Guitar Center. And I'm a grown ass man, like at that time. You know what I mean? Like, and people would look at me like, dude, what's, what's your problem? And I and I tried to conform. I did, bro. I cut my dreads off. I, um, I, I you know, took all my jewelry off and shit. And I, I did loans for a little while. I tried to do mortgages, right? But, it, it just wasn't me, man. It just wasn't me. And so therefore people didn't feel comfortable with me. I'm sure because I didn't, I didn't exude that confidence that they need to be like, okay, so I'm going to borrow $300,000 from you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> cause I just wanted to get the shit over with so I could get to the studio or, or, or get to whatever creative thing I was doing. And this was just a means to an end. So finally, uh, you know, again, I just moved away. Uh, you, you right about that. It is hard here, man, because I'm in tech. And, you know, in tech and, you know, I crossed like we crossed the video game genre, we crossed IT related stuff, we crossed the, the, a lot of cloud things. Everything is happening in your area. So a lot of times we're doing projects, we're doing everything out of Cali, coming back to the Midwest or skip Chicago and go straight to New York. So mm -hmm. like what we're seeing right now is growth wise, we want we want the Cali money over the Midwest money. We want to make the Cali money and live in the Midwest or go back and forth between the two different coasts. Because, you know, it, it's, it's a hard – you're right. You meet a Chicago person, it's like you know they're from Chicago because you, you feel that passion and that hunger. You meet somebody from L.A., it's like I get you when I get to you. It's like L.A. moves so different. You could set up a meeting, and they get back to you in two weeks. You set up a meeting mm -hmm. with a Chicago guy who lives in L.A. Five minutes later, you going to meet me on Tuesday at 4 o'clock? I just right. got on the phone with you. So you know as a Chicago guy because their intensity is totally different. L.A. intensity is we going to take care of that, but let's just go ahead and chill real quick, and then we'll chill some yeah. more. And you forget what you asked him for. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you you hit it on the head uh, on a bunch of that. I I mean, being here in Cali, and I've also lived, you know, with 2K, I spent four years in Northern California, which is a whole different <laughs> vibe than Southern California, right? Um, Northern California is a lot more like Chicago and stuff there. Let's work. Let's let's get it done. They're almost like, fuck L.A. You know, I mean, they, they don't need that hype. You know what I mean? They're like, we got bums and crime in San Francisco. We don't need that other bullshit, right? Um, but you know, and, and, and to your point about getting California money and then doing, doing Chicago or Midwest things, I, I, all my investments are in Illinois, right? Just because that that's home, it makes sense. And, and the amount of money that you make out here for what you do is great, but the amount mm -hmm. you pay to just stay afloat is ridiculous, bro. Like, I mean, I'm talking, you could be in a two bedroom apartment and be spending five thousand dollars or more a month you know if you're not careful so it doesn't la is not a, a, a california and especially southern california in my opinion is not it's not where you come up it's where you go to get your bread and, and you and you make your moves you know what i mean but that's why people love us out here because they're like you came to get it in you didn't come to play games like nah bro i'm not here to play games I, I, I left a lot behind me, man. Like, I got no family out here. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a wife. That's it out here. Like, every bit of family I have is back in Illinois. So, like, I got nothing out here. So, I, if we don't work, let's work. Like, you know, that's mm -hmm. just kind of my mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I feel you, man. I, feel, I salute you on that, man. I wanted to make that trip a few times like that. You know, you think about going to work in San Fran or somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. now with the cloud, it's given us the ability to work from anywhere. So it's changed the way we look at, you know, music, technology, video. Mm -hmm. We live in a 24-7 cycle right now. Everybody is content, you know, like these podcasts, man. You know, it's amazing how many people you can reach from anywhere, but you still need to go to those other places to get to get the publicity in order to make that thing blow the way you want to at this point. Yeah. I mean, let's be real, man. A lot of creative, all creative ventures take money to fund, to move along, mm -hmm. right? Right. You know, imagine how much more set you guys would be if there was, if there was back, you know what I mean? If this is, you'd have time all day to research, you wouldn't have to juggle jobs and, and be on the, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, 
it's just a necessity, right? And 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 the quicker people who are who are taking on these creative things understand that a lot of decision making does not happen in the Midwest. The Midwest is 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 a testing ground, if you will, right? Let's put out a new product, put it in the Midwest. If they eat it up, everyone will like it. You know, the people test burgers out there, they do all this kind of stuff, right? Just because these are genuine folk, you know, so there's it's not really set up for all this other stuff, the glamour and glitz, right? And so you have to understand that those decisions, any decision that's going to be made that's going to help propel you forward is probably going to be made from one of the coasts. So you, you're best to get out there and learn how to navigate. You, you, you need to know how to get from, from Culver City to Burbank. You need to know how to, how, to, how to get from Manhattan to Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? And vice versa. Because if you ever get that meeting, you don't want to come in there starry-eyed and shook by everything else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You wanna you yeah. wanna be like, yo, I've been around the block. I eat at Mother Burgers over there by Def Jam. We good, like you know. <laughs> what, what's what's the deal? Uh, you're right. I've been like, when I got cheesecake from Junior, so I'm hanging out. I'm hanging out in uh, Times Square. You know, you know them. Those are tourist spots, but you still know how to navigate through the city. You know, I I, I man, I, I respect that 100 percent because when I spend time out there, you spend time in New York. That's another hustler city. You go out there, yes. you network, you figure out what's good out there. Somebody puts you on to something. You got five minutes to make a decision of what you want to do before you get back on that plane. One, one, and I've been in situations like that too. And yes, you're absolutely right, bro. Like New York is, it, 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 if we're going, we're going, let's go. Let's like go. there ain't, do you know what I mean? There ain't, there ain't no, like you'll get, hey, can, what? Can we get money? No, I, I got to go. You know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Some guy told you, hey, fuck you, whatever. He's just saying, hey, I don't got time for that. Like, you understand that in New York because people is just move. I love New York. I, I, you know, the only reason I'm not in New York is because, I, you know, when I moved away, I didn't have steady income like, like I do now, right? And so my wife told me, like, listen, every time we come to New York, it's you, you know, going to some record label or going to some studio going to a Yankees game or you're going to a Knicks she's like that's just not going to happen all the time if we live here she's like it's going to be train rides and cold weather and and all this other stuff you sure you don't want to go to LA you know because she used to be out here doing the whole she worked for Universal um the the uh theme park and all the other stuff so you know she was she was very familiar with the LA thing and she's like I think you like it out there you know, she's like, you know, there's tons of smoke out there too. And I was like, oh, well, right on, right on. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I was down with that. And then my boy, Anthony Kilhoffer. Uh, and, and, you know, here's the thing, bro. If you think I'm a linchpin, Anthony Kilhoffer is, 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 is like that dude, right? Cause my, he, he, Anthony, if you look him up, Anthony is a producer engineer. He's worked with uh, R. Kelly. He's worked on the WWE album way back in the day. He did. He was part of Good Music. He was Travis Scott's manager uh, before his manager. Now, um, he he has music coming out with Kid Cudi. He just released his own dance track. But this is my dog. Like we used to just run around Chicago together, and and so like you know he was he was with Kanye like on a. In fact, he was the engineer. He worked. He worked for. Um, uh, Maserati, Tony Maserati. If you guys know heard of Tony is. Maserati, <clears throat> so Anthony worked for. He was Tony Maserati's assistant. When he and I both worked at Vince Lawrence Studio over Chicago tracks, mm-hmm. and uh, Anthony was like, "I'm moving out to L.A. You know, I want to make records." We at the time we were doing commercials, and so he's like, "I want to move out to L.A." And so he moved out to L.A., bro, and like he was an assistant for Tony Maserati for a while, doing mixes and stuff. And, and, and as he told me. He he was leaving. Uh, I think it was uh, it was over there on Orange. It was the record plant, maybe. I think that was the studio, the record plant. He was leaving there, and uh, they were like, "Hey, you want to pick up a couple extra sessions?" There's this there's this dude named Kanye coming, and so AK's like, you know, Chicago. Like, Hell yeah, I gotta get money. Let's go. So he hit me. He literally hit me up on the phone. He's like, "You ever heard of some dude named Kanye?" And again, I was at the Guitar Center at at this time, and I'm like, "No." Then I was like, wait, yes, I have. I'm like, kid from the South Side doing beats for somebody. I guess he bumped into Jay-Z or whatever, blah, blah. And he's like, well, yeah, that's just legit because he's got 
budget to do his own album now. And they just asked me to do his sessions. He's like, do you want to come out here and do them? I was like, no. I Because at the time I was trying to determine if I wanted to stay in television and film that chasing that shit or just be a recording engineer. And so my wife was like, no, you would rather be a producer. You're not an engineer. You don't take orders very well. They'll fire you. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, all right, cool. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So I was like, no, he's like, dude, I'll set the room up for you. You know how to run it. He's like, come on, bring out fingers. That's what they used to call me in the studios, fingers. Cause I could punch in really quick on pro tools and stuff. Right. <laughs> so I was like, nah, man, I'm gonna pass. So he did the sessions and you know, legend has it. He, he'd been, he was with Kanye the whole stretch of the way, you know, uh, he did uh John legends album. He did uh commons album, you know, so he, so that guy's amazing. You know, standing up for Chicago. There's a lot of people in the industry that got them Illinois roots. He, and he's from, he went to Southern Illinois university or something like that. And it was a history major. Wow, right? Because Tony's the one from uh, from that Devontae Swing era over at um, Uptown, right? He's around around the Puffy era, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's just known for mixing a lot of yeah. people's albums, and they were banging. You know, he did the banging mixes back then. Wow. So that's that's what Killhoffer is doing now. That's my guy, man. I'll probably see him um, a couple days from now, as a matter of fact. But anyway, man, I feel like I fucked up y'all podcast by just spewing out, you know. Uh, oh, nah, man, this is good stuff, man. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there like hearing some of these names again, man. I know about the Tony. I know, I know who Maserati is. You know, you think about all these different names you're talking about. Everything, everything got this, got these Midwest like like roots on it right now, and then it crosses through Chicago. Because think about Baseline. You remember Baseline? So yeah. everybody, everybody was sitting up in Baseline back in the day. And I remember, like in college, you drive by there, you see like all these, you know, Bentleys and stuff out there. Like, what artist is this? You know, or you see somebody at Tony Sports on the north side. Yeah. You see somebody, um, Page, Cinnabar. Artists were just flying through Chicago for a minute. They were coming mm-hmm. to get away. Like Cameron lived. Cameron literally hung out on the west side for a year, and I was like, "What? Mm-hmm. This dude hanging out on the west side of Chicago?" He was looking. You know, he was studying. You remember Traxter and everything? Legendary Trax- yeah, Traxter. Yeah. They were studying yeah, their style. They were studying that Midwest flow. And then, you know, then, you know, Cam started rapping like, you know, rapping a little bit like the the cats from here. And mm-hmm. he got that grittiness about him. And then he spent some time in Ohio and other, other places in the Midwest. And that Cameron sounds like us almost, you know, even with that New York accent, it's a little bit of um, Chicago in him a little bit. Yeah, man. 100%, bro. And, and people, if you catch them at the right time, man, and they being real, they'll tell you how much respect they got for for Chicago and that area and the people in it. You know what I mean? It's just everything could the math just couldn't pan out to make it work like that to turn Chicago, in, in my opinion, into an entertainment uh, spot like it should have been. You know, with that that's why a lot of people left. It, it, it pulls them away. You think about Twister. I grew up. I grew up around Twister, the yeah, Brat, the rest of them. I'm, I'm from the 60644. So basically, I grew up in that, that era where everybody came to a party in the basement of some a school's lower hall and they rapped. Everybody was a rapper on the West Side. You had Do or Die. You had, you know, mm-hmm. you had, you had uh, Crucial Conflict. Crucial you, Conflict. Had, you had Snipers. You probably remember about the Snipers are out there. Uh, it was. Man, it was it was a great yeah. time. Like even even psychodrama. If you think about oh, how just much about to say psychodrama, how much they influenced um yay to be honest with you, you got nuisance and all the nuisance has been rapping since I was a shorty, and the mm-hmm. here today and she's still rapping. You know you got um you got never you know Kilo and the rest of them Coldheart and everybody from um, Conflict. The music community is real tight. Even Bumpy J at this point, you know I used to bump into him a lot. And I miss uh, Bump J. Man, I miss the old Bump man. You know he. He was ahead of his time. Like Kanye always say, he's ahead of his time. He's so far ahead of his time that people got to catch up. You know, every album is futuristic yep. compared to where we're at right now. Yep. I, I would say, man, uh, and, and I was mentioning the Killhopper. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but, but what my favorite Bump J song was actually on a video game. I can't think of the name of it, but it was a Midnight Club dub edition. No, uh, I remember that. I remember that game. And it was it was Bump J featuring Rick James. <laughs> I got I, I got to find it, Jay. I'm gonna send it to you, right? Um, that was my shit. And uh, and 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 Anthony was in the studio when when I guess when they did that song, right? But like, 
that's what really turned me on the bum J because I was playing and I was that song was banging in my headphones. And if you remember Dub Edition, you, that was just like, mm-hmm. that's how we, we was we was like pseudo rich right there, driving around <laughs> and probably to the floor listening to jams and shit like that. So I was like, yo, this is a this is a banger. And then I got turned on to Bump J, man. And I was just like, that kid is phenomenal, man. Phenomenal. But I mean, you hit it, man. A lot, there's a lot of influence in the business from the folks in Chicago, you know, and in the and just that whole Chicago land area. You know what I mean? Is is it's got a lot of roots. And to me, uh, it helped a lot of people that knew how to use it become successful, except for the people that actually originated it, maybe. You know, and that that's the, that's that's the sad part. But it's like you, a lot of people will say, "Well, those people didn't know what they were doing." And I'm like, "Nah, they knew what they was doing, man. They just didn't have nowhere to do it." And that's the big thing. Well, look at Buddy Guy. Look at Buddy Guy and Shauna. Look at that situation. So, Buddy Guy, blues legend, Shauna, his daughter. Mm-hmm. Shauna was on Disturbing the Peace. That's the, that's the connection to Luda right there. Yeah, that's all. That's Midwest Midwest Midwest, Midwest connections right there. And you think about how they go out and represent for the culture in that situation. And a lot of that culture is the Midwest in them. I just think that they originate a lot of them styles. You're right. You think about like, man, you know, how many great artists that we know about that nobody else knew about. But somebody sounds like that artist today because somebody found that record, found that album mm-hmm. through Spotify, or you get somebody from New York. What's up with so-and-so? I'm like, where you find this album from? I mean, like, I was listening to Spotify one night and it snuck in my rotation. I mean, that's yep. pretty much how Chicago is. Even look at Gary. You got when you get look at Gary, which is right across the way. I was over there the other day in Highland area. Everybody rapping in Gary now. So Gary in Highland, Highland, Indiana, and turned into like hip hop land. So everybody over there, you know, they ain't drill rapping no more. They straight up trying to drop bars over there. And this is going on inside record shops over there. They going, they're taking it back, huh? Yeah, they're taking it back, man. You know. It's like it's evolving again right now. You know, if you think yeah. about hip hop, you know, I think Ye was light years ahead. Now everybody sounds like Ye. In five years, who would they sound like at that point? Travis' whole album is Ye. Yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but yes. Yeah. I, I always said, even even back when, um, like Antidote and all that stuff, and this mm-hmm. ain't no knock to Travis, you know, I appreciate him letting me be along for some of the ride in the beginning and stuff like that. But, um, Songs like Antidote and all that stuff, they were so blazing. I was like, yo, at one point, the the, the party's going to be over and the lights is going to come on. What are we going to listen to then? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you just can't, you can't, you ain't going to, you ain't looking for the antidote at like 1130 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? You're looking <laughs> for something else, right? Like, yeah. so it's good to know that, um, you know, the resurgence of 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 old I don't want to say old school hip hop, just bars and just hip hop and lyrics and stuff like that is coming back. Um and you can kind of see it, you Novak, know, you're in tech, so you could probably relate to this. You could kind of see it in some of the beat machines. Like, you know, they redid the SB twelve hundred. They redid the MPC three thousand. Like they these are these are like staples in the hip hop scene. You know what I mean? Like you can't really tell you can't really tell a true hip hop story if you ain't mentioning the the Insonic ASR10, the Akai MPC, or the Emu SP1200, right? Because there's mm-hmm. been so many classics and, and 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 inspiring things done on those machines, and now to see them coming back in the land of Fruity Loops and and mm-hmm. Logic and everything like that, it, it's it's actually pretty interesting, man. You know, if you got, I have a theory on on some of that. We used to say Guitar Center. Like, I honestly, I used to, I used to go on this thing that said uh, the the drum machine itself. Mm-hmm. If you if if you follow the the life lifeline of the drum machine, it it both ruined and 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 surged hip hop. Right, because and I say that because when you take it way back to the Tribe Called Quest days, even and stuff like that, right. These folks had to go to the recording studio to 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 make the music, right? You mm-hmm. had to gather your records and you had to go into the studio to do this, right? When the at home drum machine came along, <laughs> like it changed it changed everything. Now, now now every Tom Dick and Harry who could hustle up some money could head down to Guitar Center or wherever their local music store was and buy the tools you need to make music. So anytime you you get something like this, it's my theory that it's going to be both helpful and harmful. 
because that's going to flood the market. Before, there wasn't a lot of hip-hop out there, right? If you think mm -hmm. about when the drum machine became affordable, how much hip-hop hip was out there? A lot of it. A lot of it. Whenever you get a lot of something, some of that shit's going to be bad. Now they're selling the old stuff. Now they're selling the old stuff to buy the new stuff. So the, all the old stuff is on Craigslist, Facebook, Marketplace. You mm -hmm. see the old NPC, the 3000 before the rebuild, and then you got the NPC XE. Have you seen that one with the, the touch screen on it? Man, mm -hmm. that thing is mm -hmm. awesome. You know, that's the best 2500 bucks you're going to drop right now because you can also connect it to a nice Mac. And then don't forget about the Apple influence here. Everybody yeah. that does music in Chicago got a Mac with, with 100 songs on it. They're hiding for somebody. And you, you can be around and maybe like, that's my Mac. Or somebody steals their music, somebody always stole the Mac. And I'm like, what's going on? They stole your Mac? So that's the Chicago <laughs> story. That is true. Everybody got, I, it used to be PC, Cakewalk. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That all of a sudden, I, you know what, to, to, in my opinion, what turned a lot of people on the Mac was uh, when Pro Tools came out with Pro Tools Lite. Mm -hmm. Because you could, you know, you, at first you couldn't run it on anything but a Mac. And then they finally wrote it for PC. But like on the music side, if you was on PC, people was kind of like, "Ah, oh, so you ain't came up yet, huh?" Okay, <laughs> okay I let you. me. Yeah, I got you. You see it sitting on top of that crate, and everybody go, "Which Mac is that?" That's the MacBook Pro, 16 gigs of RAM. You know, you showing off them specs. Now you see the new ones; they got that M2 yeah. processor in them. You could do a yeah. whole album on the Mac with the M2 processor with the 64 gigs of RAM. You don't need a studio. All you need is two. Uh, all you need is two mono speakers and a mic at this point. Bro, you you need some headphones. You need headphones. A, you know, a, mic a microphone and, and a damn bathroom that you can hang some blankets on the wall, and you can go for. But nowadays, you can just buy a whisper booth, put it up in your living room if you got the space, or, or if your lady cool with it, or whatever. Like I had, you know, I had a full on like production studio in my living room. I, I to this day, I still don't know how my wife didn't leave me. Like <laughs> as soon as you walk into our house, and I don't know if you remember, if you used to come over, there's a like a Mackie. Uh, Eight, 16 by 8 you know with the 16 channels on there i had like the uh the, i had the, the keyboard controller i had the Roland jv 1080 the Roland jv 2080 with the expansion uh, cards you had the Roland, huh yeah yeah I, I, I had the proteus i had the emu proteus i had all those joints bro you know what i mean but uh, but it was all rack mount machines so it's sitting in your living room like bam as soon as you walk in you know what i mean and so now you just need a little laptop and some Fruity Loops in the corner, and you're straight, man. And people be making hits, but uh, and now, now we installing mega storage for people, putting terabyte, you know, servers in, you know, putting terabyte storage racks in people's houses. So what they're doing is they're storing all the music at high quality, and then they're mm -hmm. cutting it different ways. I mean, there's so many different ways now to store music, and it's still not all secure, as you probably already know. Because people mm -hmm. still stealing music, they selling it now. Everybody's selling beats right now. It's crazy. Like my brother does it, and I sit there. I go, "How are you making money?" He goes, "He's like, I'm gonna do what I want to do. I'm a bucket. I don't want to fit into this. I'm gonna keep making music." And you look at him like, "Where's this music at?" He's like, "I sold it." <laughs> so, so you know, I know the game on that one. I mean, you know, he's doing his thing. He's free to do what he want to do. Like you said earlier, you got to do what you don't want to do to do what you want to do. What you want to do, yep. And that's how I look at tech in that situation. You know, tech and music is a vehicle to what I want to do at this point. You know, well, we got to keep evolving. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Go I was just going to say, um, I, I think I think Novak might be running a little short on time, but yeah, yeah, constant, man. It's just been, it's just been super dope, man. Like all these, all these uh, side stories, all the origins. The Killhoffer Lynchman is kind of like mind blowing because I even thinking about like the SIU connection, like with um, Open Mike Eagle and like Serengeti and that whole musical scene too. Like, I wonder if they ever cross paths as well. That's kind of super dope. Which is wild too, because Killhoffer to the by heart by nature was like a rock guy in the right. beginning. So I, I I say he's our era's Rick Rubin. You right. know what I mean? When you see Anthony Killhoffer, if you ever see a picture of him, you're gonna be like. And then you see his discography, you'd be like, that don't match. <laughs> he He's a white dude with glasses, long hair, and, you know, you'd be like, it, it, it doesn't matter. But he, what makes him have so much swag is that he doesn't give a fuck about swag. He just wants to make good shit, you know what I mean? And that's what that's what I love about him, and that's what I loved about Rick Rubin and all, and, you know. I didn't even tell you the time I met Rick Rubin. That was fucking hilarious. But anyway, we'll have to, we'll have to, re, <laughs> we'll have to relight that one. But that one took place at a strip club in Chicago. 
with, the, with the crew from Limp Biscuit. So uh, that, yeah, Fred. <laughs> if that tells you anything, um, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate you guys having me, man. I always got time for you, you know that. Like so, um, if if it, you know, I just want to put it out there, man. If anybody has any questions on on the influencer game or right. or you know questioning whether or not they should become a content creator or what it takes to become a content creator and stuff like that. You know, feel free to shoot these guys a question and they'll get it to me and I'll do my best to get you an answer. I'm happy to come back on the show and, and answer questions. Like I said, I feel like I just, you know, diarrhea the mouth and gave y'all so much other stuff. Hopefully, I, you know, the fans ain't like, but I wanted to talk about this. But, you know, it was fun though. So yeah, if you got anybody out there listening, have any questions or whatever that I can answer for them about influencer marketing or uh gaming in general or how to get into that scope holler at y'all and then they can holler at me and i'll definitely get back to you that's uh, not nah, 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 that's dope we appreciate you bro definitely man you you made my other eye open up man i was sitting there like yeah all the six degrees of separation a lot of times we just don't put it all together is that's one thing about chicago yeah. it's just like you know this person does this that person does that and you connect everything it all works together like voltron at that point it's real interesting. You know, we just got to do more of that collaborative space, man, to be real with you. Yep. You got to play your position too, man. Not everybody mm-hmm. is, not everybody is a star. Not everybody is Derek right. Jeter. Some of us are going to be in right field. You know what I mean? And so. Um, we need to shout out Dustin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, bro. But I mean that, like I pride myself now doing exactly what you try, what you said is trying to connect the dots, right? Like I, I always try to take the supportive role in, in the business side and somehow, I kept getting thrust to the front, you know, on camera stuff, this, any other, but that was like, never my intention other than when I was making music, you know, I wanted to drop lyrics and stuff like that. But even behind this and behind that, I was trying to like manage our group and book our shows and get our stuff, marketing stuff together. Right. But so just know everybody, man, what nobody just said is really important. Learn how to connect the dots and you might not be the shining star, but be the shining star in your lane. You know what I mean? Whatever that is, do that and do it and do it to the best of your ability. I love it, Constant. I mean, like, to to be honest, I knew you were always hip hop. My favorite story, actually, because you were just dropping gems on so many different things that not necessarily were related to hip hop, but I always knew you lived and breathed hip hop was like, so um, when I, when we crossed paths, like back in the day, and, you know, I knew your wife, too, like before you had your daughter. Um, I remember one uh, one tea one one story I want to spill the tea on, which isn't like gratuitous, but I think I think y'all were like trying to chill, trying to set the mood right, trying to set the vibe, and then I think she would have rather listen to some like R and B jams or Joe to see like nah nah we're listening to Wu we're listening to Wu Tang right now <laughs> set the mood right <laughs> right bro uh, luckily she's not here so I'll tell you a story man like uh, when we were in college. We, I was, I was setting the mood. I was being, you know, Mac Daddy, Mac, 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 And uh, she said, she said, if we, you know, cuddle up, mess around to Wu Tang one more night, <laughs> I'm, I'm going, I'm going to break up with you. And I was like, oh, so you, you don't, what do you want? She's like, I want to hear R and B. So I went and grabbed Portis head. <laughs> <laughs> yo oh man that's more like rock right or like um it's trip like hop trip hop yeah, yeah trip, but, right but portis head to me was like a wu-tang's fan, <laughs> fan version of r&b right you know this off-key singer singing over these like muddy hip-hop beats right like so i was like she's like no this is not what i'm talking about <laughs> Uh, you tried, man. That's how I feel. I, but I'm, yeah, the temp was good. I did the best I could. I did the best I could. Nice. Well, yeah, Novak, I'll, I'll let you close us out, man. Oh, uh, man, man. It's been, uh, man, it's been, it's been real nice, man. Appreciate you for coming on the show. Uh, definitely, yeah. definitely chop it up. I think I definitely want to do a, uh, you know, bring you on and bring on another. I got this other artist, man, that's real interesting. That's the same roots almost. Uh, bring him on the show and then see if we can get some synergy. But definitely, uh, Constance, definitely for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Uh, definitely check us out everywhere. You got podcasts. We're on Apple. We're on uh, YouTube now. We're on, uh, everywhere out there. Where podcasts are available. And thank you for listening. Go out and listen to something dope today.
just facts. Some are not so impressed, but yes, star at his best is at least God in the flesh. Step after step in this path, my quest is like breath after breath, breathing past my chest. The depths go into inner sanctums, gratitude, so I thank them. Or it's a her, it's a blurred, how absurd, it's a word. I tend to fall away from herds and fall into the dialogues of our healing with her. You seek deep in my mind, you'll see.